You're listening to the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast with Matt Curtis. This is the podcast that helps you take your creative team from wherever you are today to healthy and effective. Hey friends, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast. This week we're going to look at two different models of what a church communications team can be. I want to represent the kind of the extremes here in this conversation. So we're going to be looking at two different models that are relatively far away from each other on the spectrum. Every team has a bent one way or the other. These represent those directions. Are you going to be moving in this way or are you going to be moving in that way? The reason this becomes an important conversation is because a lot of tension develops when leadership and the employee or the leader of the creative team, the creative lead in the organization, when they don't have the same vision for where to go next. And each of these destinations represent really an entirely different path that you would travel down. Now you may think, well, I already have a creative team and we're already, you know, we're already here. Well, that's great. But but you you may not have clarity in terms of where this creative team is supposed to be going. And so the creative leader then might be getting frustrated because they're wanting to pull in one direction. You're expecting them to head in a different one. Or you continually find yourself saying, no, 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 we're not going to do that. No, 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 that's not where we're heading. That's not where we're looking for you to lead right now. Those types of things. The other part of this is that every time somebody leaves your organization, you have the opportunity to rebuild really in a new direction. Every time we had someone leave the communications team while I was overseeing our creative team, our creative team was made up of productions, communications, and online ministry. Anytime we had a departure, we would sit down and we would say, okay, so we have an opening now. How do we want to fill this? And what is the direction that we want to be going? Because that direction should determine who we hire and who we fill that opening with. So every time I would have a conversation with senior leadership and I'd say, hey, we have an opening. I want to hear from you. What is your expectation to come? Are you wanting us to innovate or are you wanting us to not innovate? Are you wanting us to push things down the field or are you wanting us to maintain where things are? Help, it, help me understand how I should best hire this role. Because there are plenty of times where we would have two different candidates. One of them was way more artistic than the other. But then the other one was way more proficient technically. So we have a production-minded person and we have an artistic-minded person. What do you want? What's the best fit for the need that the organization has? So as leadership, you want to clarify this. You want to come to conclusions on this. And then as the creative, you want to know where exactly do you want me to be pushing and, and moving my team? Because I can develop a roadmap, a development plan for either of these paths but I have to know which path you want to go on. Otherwise, I'm developing these creatives in the wrong way. And if that happens, you will begin to see more turmoil, more angst, more frustration. Because what's happening is the creative believes they're supposed to be moving one direction, but they're not able to. Now leadership is a is a opposition and it just it goes south quickly. So I wanted to represent really these two extremes so that you can understand how these two exist in the church. When you look at the church down the street, you may be really liking something that doesn't actually fit with your model or, or fit with what you can tolerate as a communications team. So we're going we're gonna to unpack those two. And then I have a series of questions that I would encourage you to ask of your own situation. These are often questions that I would ask leadership, and I would dig deep to try to hear what exactly is it that leadership sees ahead of us for the next season so that we can build our team correctly to align with that mission and that trajectory. 
So the two examples or the two extremes for me, we have a ministry team. Your communications team is considered a ministry team or the other alternative here, it's considered a support team. So let me unpack what each of those things mean. A ministry team really is the equivalent of, of any other ministry that you have on your, on your team. You have a kids ministry, great. You also have a communications ministry. So that's gonna look like more proactivity. That's gonna look like uh, the comm team just came up with a social campaign and they started promoting it. It looks like the comm leader is the face of the campaign, is the one having conversations, is very visible and very present on the church socials and, and they're a contributing voice to the overall shepherding of the church. Now, they may be a pastor, they may not be a pastor, but what it means is that their contribution to into the life of the congregation is moving toward the mission of the church. So they're very proactive, they're very active, they're very participatory, they are involved in what's happening ministry-wise in the church. This also means that they're typically, uh, to me this is the best positioning of a creative team, you're positioning them against the hardest battles to fight culturally. So this means they're having conversations with those who aren't even a part of the church in the first place. They're having conversations with people that maybe are antagonistic about faith. They're facilitating a dialogue here. They're, they're looking for opportunities to say, how do we get those who are outside the church to the church? How do we get them to participate in what we're doing? And so this is where you see things like um, events like a, you know, a Christmas tree lighting or a Halloween event or those types of things typically are born with an evangelistic mindset, trying to make um, the, the world outside of the church family feel compelled to come and participate in some way, shape, or form with the church. So that's a ministry-minded approach to communications. I always look at it as missions. And so for me, that's the bent that I take. I actually don't think that a comm team functions best as a marketing team or as an internal communication team or as a, uh, a internal publisher. And we'll talk about that in a second when we get to support. But I look at this, really, I, I base a lot of this off of a conversation I had in college. So I'm working in the Student Missionary Union at Biola University. It's a student-run missions organization. Uh, basically, the goal is we try to elevate the, the cause of missions amongst the student body. And so one of the guys that I interacted with there, he was a missionary kid from Nigeria, and he was in the middle of a conversation with a gal who was probably upper middle class, South Orange County type. What was funny to me is I was sitting there watching, they, they just, they weren't on the same page. You could tell that they just weren't getting each other. They, they weren't understanding, you know, they needed, they needed a translator. And, and this was actually a really pivotal moment for me just in my own personal life because I stepped in as that translator. I was familiar with international life international missions and so i met a lot of different people from a lot of different nations and i recognized that there there were gaps in the way that different countries and different you know backgrounds communicate with one another and i could navigate that in, in part because i believe that's how god's gifted me is that i'm a i'm a communicator like i'm a translator like that's what i do but it was really interesting stepping in there and seeing that translation happen because they weren't speaking the same language in a lot of ways, that's how I view the, the role of your communications ministry. If that's the direction that you go. The culture around us is speaking a language. And the, the ministry-minded person isn't always speaking the same language. 
I always think of these missions guys, super passionate about missions. They come and they just sort of bark at you. And it's like, oh, here's all these overwhelming things. And it's like, oh, that's not, that's not translated well into my culture. It feels overwhelming. It feels daunting. I don't want to wear you know, a grass skirt and eat bugs. Like sort of the stereotypical view of missions. Well, to translate that is really helpful because you're not speaking to the same audience. You're speaking to an audience that has a language. And that's where the power of communications comes in, in my opinion. We can speak the language of our culture. We still hold true to the principle of God's word. We still hold true to the mission of the church. We're willing to submit to the leadership of the church. It's not a matter of us wanting to build our own private empire within the context of the church. We're just trying to reach a group of people that is currently outside of the church in hopes that they find Jesus and become a part of a church. I mean, sure, it'd be great if they became a part of the church that we're working for, but really we just want people to come to know Jesus. So that is a ministry missions type of approach to communications. That is the least common approach that I see in the church. Instead, what I see most is I see a support team mindset. So if a ministry leader comes to you and they say, hey, we need a postcard design, then that's what the comm team does. They say, hey, we need a social post made, then that's what the comm team does. It, it's essentially going to a place where you can place an order as the ministry leader, and then that order is fulfilled by the communications team. I think that this has evolved over time. I don't think this is an intentional design or an intentional decision for church leaders. Because early in the days of church communications really becoming a thing, it really was positioned to be an evangelistic, reach outside the walls of the church type of system or a type of a ministry. That's what it was intended to be. I know that there are a lot of marketing tactics and advertising strategies and all these kinds of things that really sort of came with that. But what's happened over time is we don't trust calm to be able to make decisions that are related to ministry. Instead, we want to rely on the ministry leader to initiate the right things with calm. And so what we're finding, at least what I'm seeing a lot of, is a ministry leader comes to the calm team and says, I need X, Y, and Z done. And so then the comm team has to get X, Y, and Z done. Where things get tricky is that if X, Y, and Z aren't the right things to do, aren't good things to do, or if comm thinks that they have a better way to approach X, Y, and Z. And this is really where the tension begins happening in a team. It becomes very unhealthy very quickly because what you have is you have a person who's hired and they want to be a missions-minded person, but they've been asked instead to just do what somebody else tells them to do. There's this general sense in the creative space of my trade is being devalued, my expertise is being devalued, people aren't listening to me, people aren't interested in what I have to say or they don't want to hear my advice or my counsel or whatever. And it really puts the creative in a bad position. And over time what happens is they get more defensive more quickly, they listen less, they hear less, in some cases, they become aggressive, they become frustrated, become angry, they become toxic. And that's not where we want to go. What's fascinating to me, though, is that I have worked with some exceptional designers that actually thrive in an environment like this. And I've worked with others that, I mean, absolutely cannot stand an environment like that. So the reason that clarity is so important in this separation, in these two different approaches, is because you're going to attract different types of people but more than that, because you're gonna keep different types of people. So if you want somebody who's wildly innovative, 
then you need to understand what com what comes with wild innovation. And it, it may be complicated, it may be difficult, it may not be what exactly what you're hoping it is. This is where tension lives in that, in that, oh, that's not what I expected. Oh, why are they trying to do, nope, I don't want them to do that. As you begin throttling back, that's where frustration lives. Let me run you through a couple questions that I have found to be very helpful. For full transparency here, I was never given this clarity in my time in my career serving in the church as a creative, as a communicator. I never once had someone sit me down and say, okay, here's the distinctions that we wanna make in your team. I pushed really hard my whole career to try to get clarity on these things. And I'll tell you, in some areas we got clarity, but in some we never did. And so it's really born out of this need to pursue clarity that these questions exist. So if you're a leader and you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, I don't know what kind of paradigm of calm we wanna, we wanna pursue, great, evaluate these questions and, and think through where these things go for you. And if you're a creative and you're like, I just don't feel like I'm in the right spot, you may be in the right spot, but you may need to do different types of work than you think. You may need to be doing the creative leadership work that says, hey, leadership, I have some questions that I wanna walk through with you so that we can get clarity on where you want us to go. Because if you're frustrated by a certain decision that's made or a limitation that you feel like is placed on you, you need to be able to articulate one, why you're frustrated by it, but two, why that frustration and that limitation is preventing you from accomplishing something bigger. What you may realize is, oh, the organization doesn't actually want me to be the face of things on social. That's what is true, but you've been arguing against you know, something. We need to be innovative on social media. Well, if you can't do it, it's gonna be really hard to do that. It's gonna be hard to get all the pastors on board or whoever to move toward your vision, a vision they don't share. So then maybe start dropping some vision. Maybe start you know, stoking the flames a little bit and getting people excited about the potential of something that they can participate in. But again, the clarity around the direction and the expectation of your team is gonna be super important. Let's jump to the questions. The first thing to me that's a real indicator as to whether or not you're a ministry team or a support team, can you make decisions without approval? Or in the case of the leadership, you know, can your creative team, can your comm team, can they make decisions without approval? And I don't mean I chose blue, do I need to get it approved? What I mean is there are some fundamental things that we're trying to accomplish as a team. We're gonna start an ad campaign that promotes this, that, or the other. Does that need to get approved? Or do you have the freedom to be able to move forward with those things? Does leadership come to you and tell you how to run an ad campaign? That's a support model. So if you're expecting to be a ministry team, you're gonna be like, no, I don't wanna do that. I wanna do this, this, you know. There's gonna be tension there. and so. Who can make the decisions in your space and about what? If you find that the things that you can make decisions about are very, very small, there's not many of them, there's a very good chance that you're in a support system, a support team system for your communications team. That might be okay with you, that might not. But what it does is it clarifies for you, oh, I need to stop trying to bite off way more than I can chew or way more than the organization wants me to have. I need to stay within this much more narrow lane because I'm in a support organization. Can you make decisions without approval? The next question that I think is an important one to ask, can you represent the organization on social media or do you need to have a pastor or a minister or a front-facing ministry leader be the face of everything? Are you able to pick up your social media accounts right now and make a video or post a piece of content and your photos on it or you're the kind of the, the liaison to that space between the person on the other side of Instagram and the church? 
Are you allowed to be the face of that? Or are only pastors able to speak into that? If you're viewed as a ministry, then that means you're the ministry leader of social media using that language. That means that whatever you deem to be necessary, appropriate, good, helpful, etc., move the mission forward. If you believe that to be the case, you can be the representative of that on those channels. Otherwise, it's probably more likely that your ministry leaders are expecting to be the face of everything. And so then you become the supporter of them being the ministry leader. Can you represent the organization on socials or do you need somebody else who is more front facing to be that? Third question, can you create policies that other ministries are expected to adhere to? Often we get into this complicated spot as communicators where we see that a change needs to happen in order for us to survive, to thrive, to be able to do our jobs well, but leadership doesn't like the change that we're asking to be made. If the communications team comes up with a new policy, hey, we need three weeks advance notice during this season, not two. Is there an expectation that you have the ability to do that? Or is there pushback from leadership saying, well, hold on a second now, we need to make sure that you're able to do what we tell you to do. If you're able to set those boundaries yourself, that means that you're much more being viewed as a ministry. If you are not able to set those boundaries, but instead you have a lot of political conversations that need to happen, you have a lot of bureaucratic red tape, that means that you're a support system. I use those words because that's how it feels to us. When we're trying to initiate a new policy or initiate a new practice that we know will be beneficial for our team, we sometimes think that the organization is against us. When what really is happening, we are drifting to want to be a ministry when the organization has slotted us as a support team. That's a big difference. The way that a support team responds is by reacting and doing what is necessary. That's what happens. That means that our initiatives, our ideas, our plans, those are typically the things that get sacrificed in favor of the other things that other people bring our way. So where do you sit on that? In your organization, as a leader, when the creative team or when the comm person comes to you and says, hey, we're gonna make a change, here are the reasons as to why this change needs to happen, is that okay? Are they able to do that? Obviously, th there has to be good rules. So, so I'm not saying, does the creative have you know, full access to change whatever they want, no matter how you know, good or bad it is. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying a reasonable plan, it's not oppressive. It doesn't hinder any ministry from happening. Are they able to make that decision? Or is there a bigger conversation there that needs to happen? Can they create policies that other ministries are expected to adhere to? Question four, can they drive the mission forward themselves? When a creative team has an idea and they believe this to be in alignment with the mission of the church, can they just run with it? Do they have to get several layers of approval? Are they even allowed to do it in the first place? Maybe it's not even an approval issue. Maybe it's just a no, we don't want them initiating. It's a very, very helpful area to get clarity because clarity here indicates, again, support team, ministry team. And that's what you're trying to get to. Can they decide what projects to support? It's a very complicated problem in the church today. Ministry leader comes to the table. I want such and such to happen. Creative team leader looks at that and says, oh boy, that's going to cost us a lot of resources, a lot of time, a lot of money. We don't have the bandwidth to be able to handle that on our workload. All right. Who wins? What happens here? Is the chief goal of the comm team to support everything that the ministry leaders want? Or 
does the ministry leader have some level of responsibility in making sure that these things can be accomplished? This is where the rubber meets the road, right at this intersection point. If it's a matter of the comm team having a bad attitude, obviously it's a separate problem. If it's a matter of the ministry leader waiting till the day of to ask for help, obviously it's a different problem. What we're talking about is who sets the trajectory for how the time is being used for the communications team. Communications or everyone else. That's the line. So where do you fit? Where do you stand there? And then last question number six, should the communications team's time be spent primarily on projects for your congregation or reaching those outside of the church? This is the thing I've seen over 16 or so years in the trenches. In the beginning, the creative team existed to reach outside the walls of the church. Functionally, it was kind of a version of an evangelism team or a local missions team. That was a piece of the role that we played in the church. Over time, that has shifted to the ministry leaders. That has caused most communications teams to actually not be externally focused at all in some cases. And so now the onus of reaching beyond the walls is 100% in the lap of the ministry leader. So if the ministry leaders are choosing to create events, programs, ministry initiatives that are outside the walls or focused externally, then you're in good shape. If all they're doing is creating more niceties for the internal, for the congregation themselves, that means no one is left to focus outside the walls of the church. So when you look at a mission-minded approach or a missions-minded approach, I should say, you're looking at a ministry team that is focused on reaching outside the walls. That's what their purpose is. When you're looking at a support team, you're willing to say, I believe that our ministry leaders will be able to balance this okay. And we're going to just say, you do whatever you want to do. And then the comm team will support you in that. So if they drift internal, that's on them. If they drift external, that's on them. But no, no one in comm is supposed to be driving where things are focused. So those are the things that I find to be really, really helpful conversations. Because what you'll find is you'll find, you know, three of these, you're like, eh, I don't know, it doesn't matter. And then like that last one, I mean, should we be spending all of our time making like workbooks and journals for our staff and our congregation? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. Like who else is focusing outside the walls of the church? I mean, it's not this team. It's not that team. Like, okay. So we're essentially becoming an internally focused organization. What you'll find is there'll be these lightning rod sort of subjects that come up within these questions. So I'm going to read them all again. Can your creative team or your communications team make decisions without approval? Can your creative team represent the organization on socials or does it need to be a pastor? Can your creative team create policies that other ministries are expected to adhere to? Can your creative team drive the mission forward themselves? Can the creative team decide what projects to support? And then finally, should the creative team's time be spent focused on internal projects for your congregation or reaching those outside the church? Those are the things that I would work through with leadership. If you're a creative, talk to them, have these be the basis of a conversation. If you're in leadership, this is a place where clarity needs to happen for your existing team. And if you're in the midst of a rebuild, like for us, again, every time a new person would come on our team, before we would make a decision, 
we would do a mini rebuild. We would say, how do we adjust based on what we have, where we need to go and what leadership's looking for us to accomplish? So it's a recalibration with leadership, where you wanna go, what do you want us to accomplish? And then you begin having these conversations to say, hey, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody that we trust to be able to make decisions without approval. Absolutely, we want a high caliber person in that role, okay? We want somebody that can represent the organization on social. So we need somebody who's able to perform well in that space, great. We want somebody that can create policies that are reasonable that other ministry leaders are expected to agree to. We will support them as leadership. Okay, great. So you can go through this list and this is gonna inform the types of decisions that you're making as you're looking to move forward in a hiring process, a, a rebuilding, a reorganization, all of those types of things. At the end of the day, I would argue that there's no right decision. I know for me personally, I am a ministry team-minded communications leader. A hundred percent. You can successfully staff a support team model, but you need to look for different types of skill sets. You need to look for people that are really good at executing and conceptually, they don't have to be that strong. They don't have to be high in imagination according to the four cores. They need to be able to be quick. They need to be able to be friendly, good customer service, but they don't have to have good ideas. They don't have to have high caliber, complex strategies as part of what they bring to the table. It's just not, that's not a part of what's necessary. Because when you think about it, all of those decisions live somewhere else. They live with the ministry leader. So your ministry leader is coming to the table and saying, we're doing an event. We've already thought about what the event is. We've thought about why we're doing it. We've already thought about who we want to reach with it. Literally all we have left is we just need a postcard. That's all we need you to do. That's super easy work. So you can hire the right person by recognizing, are they super capable of what they do? Do they have flexibility in their design skills? Are they pretty personable and good to work with? Great. If you're going the other way, is this a person that, that understands culture at a deep level? Is this a person who finds opportunities to facilitate conversations with those who are outside the church? Is this somebody who's afraid of outside the church? Do they represent our values well? Because now all of a sudden you're almost getting into pastoral conversations to say, does this person have the character to be in this role? So there definitely is a big gap between these two spaces, between the ministry and the support-minded uh, positions and positioning of communications. But where it becomes really important for your church over the long haul is to make sure that there is clarity in what you're expecting from your team, because that will help you reduce disagreement, frustration, all the problems. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading Healthy Creative Teams. This podcast is just one of the ways Lunchtime Heroes helps build healthy creative teams in the church. Stay up to date on the latest by signing up for the Creative Bites email at lunchtimeheroes.co.